0: Fantasy football today from CBS Sports. Here we go. Email us at fantasyfootball@cbsi.com. Here we go. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Let's go.
1: Now here's some combination of Adam, Dave,
2: Jamie, and he. Thursday, January 31st. Almost time for the Super Bowl. Welcome everybody. We're going to talk about the big game. We're going to preview it with both Jamie Eisenberg and Will Brinson separately. Even though they're both in Atlanta, we couldn't get them on at the same time. Very strange. But for the meantime, I am Adam Azer. He is Heath
3: Cummings. Are you ready for the big game, sir? Oh, I am so fired up. I just really cannot wait to watch the Patriots in the Super Bowl again. I'm excited, though. You're not? Are you going to be cheering for the Rams?
2: No, this is a... You know, the Rams, they've only been in LA for a couple of years. They finally have a fan base now. Everyone in America that's not a Patriots fan. Yeah, of course I'm going to be cheering for the Rams.
3: I think everyone is.
2: But you know I, what? I, I, I am fine with the Patriots being there. They always give us a good game. Every Super Bowl they've been in in the Brady era has been eight points or less. Uh, five of them have been four points or less, I believe. Um, so yeah, you, it's going to be a good game.
3: You know, it's funny. This morning, just out of the blue, we had not been talking about football in my house at all the last few days. The nine-year-old's brushing his hair to get ready for school, and he says to me, "Dad, I'm still not really over the Patriots beating the Chiefs." <laughs> I don't. I said, them. I said, "Are you gonna watch? The, are you gonna watch the Super Bowl?" I don't know who's who's playing. He, he's just so distraught. I said, "Well, the Rams are playing." I'm definitely watching and cheering for the Rams,
2: yeah, there you go. It's a reason to get excited about it, and uh, it's six of the eight games that Brady has been in in the Super Bowl have been decided by four points or less. The Falcons game was a six point win in overtime and last week or last year rather an eight point loss to the Eagles. And I think it should be another close one. Uh, the spread, I would love for it to get to three because i I like the Rams, but I think it's two and a half right now, depending on Don't where you be
3: are. a coward. Rams money line.
2: I, yeah I would consider that I, would, I don't know that there's that much upside because I don't know what it is like 120 plus 120 ish something like that
3: it's better than what the rams minus two and a half or minus three will be yeah I know but you get the get the points
2: I'm seeing it as uh the money line is plus uh 120 yeah something like that um all right anyway uh we got some fantasy to talk about as well not a lot of news but uh, the Redskins promoted quarterback coach Kevin O'Connell to offensive coordinator. Do you care about that Heath?
3: Not particularly.
2: What a mess they are.
3: It's going to be an absolute disaster. I feel bad for their fans. Um, there's no way to overcome giving Alex Smith that type of money, him having the injury guarantee and him not being able to likely not being able to play. They're just going to be terrible. The one guy that I'm really interested in I don't, really know what to make of yet is Darius Geis.
2: Yeah, and kudos to them for – were they in first place when Alex Smith got hurt? I think they were. Yeah, I believe so. And they are having a really nice year, doing it with some solid defense, running the ball well. Yeah, Geis is going to be extremely interesting uh, going into 2019. I know you guys talked about him a few shows ago when Dave was riffing on players. Fun segment. Not too dissimilar to um, Wednesday's tweets about players.
3: A totally different thing. <laughs>
2: uh, the the Colts re-signed offensive guard Mike Lewinsky to a three-year extension. That means they will have all five of their starting offensive linemen under contract for next season. We like that because that was arguably the best line in football. Yeah.
3: Thumbs up from Heath. That was not a question. That was You made a statement. Was, you know how it is. I
2: make a statement. I figured you piggyback on the statement, something like that.
3: Just say yes.
2: Yeah, there you go. That'll work. Yes. Uh, You know what I think? I, obviously, you know how much I, I liked Marlon Mack all year. I don't really think he's anything special. I kind of feel like he requires the situation he's in, which is pretty awesome. Great offensive line, great quarterback, great offense. But like, they should try to get Le'Veon Bell, because I don't think Marlon Mack is... Is a uh, game changer. I just think he's like a, a better than average guy.
3: Yeah, I don't really. Like, I think if their goal is to win the Super Bowl, then sticking with Marlon Mack and spending that money on defense or maybe a second wide receiver is a better plan. Sure. I don't, I, I'm i relatively certain the Colts feel the same way. Now, the thing that's going to be really interesting about Le'Veon Bell, I mean, he made this big bet on himself and he's going to go into the offseason. I expect, looking for the money that he made this bet on himself for. But it could get interesting a month into that process if it's been made clear that he's not getting that money. Then we might see someone like the Colts get involved, or the Chiefs.
2: All right, that's all I got in the news department. So Jamie's going to come on. He's going to talk about uh, what Melvin Gordon said on CBS Sports HQ, uh, Jay Ajayi, what James Devlin said. Also, make sure you watch CBS Sports HQ on Super Bowl Sunday. They're doing an extensive live pregame show, um, and they have the fan experience on Saturday in Atlanta. Jamie can tell you about that. But Sunday, if you're tired of the, the pregame shows you've been watching for years, they're getting a little stale. We do it better on CBS Sports HQ. Just download the CBS Sports app on your over-the-top device, and you can watch uh, CBS Sports HQ. I do it on my Roku. You know how it is. Um, all right, let's do a segment called Do You Still Believe In? And then we'll bring Jamie on, and then we'll bring Brinson on. And uh, we'll talk some DFS. We'll just preview the game. I have a, a tweet out there. What's your favorite Super Bowl appetizer? So we'll get into that. What's your favorite Super Bowl party appetizer?
3: I don't know about appetizer. I've been thinking so much about the main course. I uh, I smoked a brisket for the Chiefs-Patriots game a couple weeks ago, and I'm going to smoke wings for this game. So I I I like guacamole. I like buffalo chicken dip, but I'm pretty excited about my wings right now.
2: Are you hosting or just like your family or what?
3: It'll just be my family. Yeah.
2: Okay. I'm hosting like 10 people. So okay. I'm going to have to buy cuz I'm certainly not going to cook some good stuff. Um for me it's uh very strange. I'm pretty sure I say this every year but it's pretty forgettable lays potato chips with french onion dip for whatever reason i just love it it's so good i think i must have grown up having that on super bowls so there will be some of that i right, do you still believe in leonard fournette heath
3: you still you still believe in him i i yes to a certain extent i think it's going to be interesting what the Jags offensive plan is this year they've sent signals with their offseason moves that they maybe won't be quite as we're going to run the ball 400 times and play good defense maybe they're going to throw it just a little bit more I think Fournette has shown us some things in the passing game that he could really uh, maybe improve his game there but I don't necessarily believe in him as a top 10 running back in the NFL and it's just because we've got plenty of reason to be concerned about injuries and whether he can hold up to the workload.
2: He played eight games and he scored six touchdowns. So that that's you know going to be a staple for him in his career, including three postseason games. Leonard Fournette has scored eighteen rushing touchdowns, and fifteen of them were from five yards out or closer. Ten of the eighteen were one or two yard touchdown runs. So he's got that he's got that going for him. How? how Which is nice. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. See, I say something, you piggyback on it. Perfect. Um. For Fournette, they're like, how, how committed are the are the Jaguars going to be to him? You know, they were talk about them getting rid of him. I don't think that's oh, going to happen.
3: Oh, I don't think he has a long leash, but it that doesn't really have much to do with football.
2: Yeah, well, I, I don't,
3: I don't think they're necessarily pleased with him.
2: It has to do with fantasy though, because you know, if he he got benched late in the season, he wasn't playing well enough, and. uh... He had a pretty tough situation. I mean, terrible offense. Offensive line lost just about every starter. And I'll remind everyone, 2017, he only played 13 games. Fournette was a top 10 running back. Uh, so, all right, would you rather have Marlon Mack or Leonard Fournette?
3: You know, I've been spent uh, all day yesterday working on my 2019 rankings, which will be released the day after the Super Bowl. And I actually have Fournette two spots ahead of Marlon Mack at running back. Sony Michelle or Fournette? I'll take Sony Michelle.
2: Next up, do you still believe in Corey Davis?
3: Oof, I do. I still believe in his talent. Again, it's kind of similar to Fournette with the injury problems. And the problem with Davis is it's not just that he has injury concerns; it's that his quarterback has injury concerns. And so, I I do believe if we got a season in 2019 where Marcus Mariota and Corey Davis were healthy for the entire year, you're going to see the breakout from Corey Davis. Uh, It's the third-year breakout. I guess you could talk about it that way. He progressed in 2018 as a football player. He's got to stay healthy. His quarterback's got to stay healthy. I think that the focus on Derrick Henry and really using him the way they did in the second half of the season could actually help Davis just because teams are going to have to dedicate so much to stopping that run game.
2: And Davis had a had an encouraging stretch after their bye. Five-game stretch after their bye, 22 catches, 349 yards, three touchdowns on 35 targets, and four carries for 54 yards. And he had 96 or more yards and two and a touchdown in two of those five games. And he also, as I recall, was wide open in the Cowboys game in the end zone, and Mariota missed him. But he was just starting to play better, starting to look – like a DFS value every week, I remember putting Corey Davis in. And then he faded last four games of the season, thirteen catches, under forty seven yards. And I think uh, what's fun about comparing Leonard Fournette and, and Corey Davis, or just talking about them, they were drafted fourth and fifth overall in two thousand seventeen. Two top five picks. Uh and uh, hopefully you know, hopefully they're not busts. All right, next up, do you still have faith in I don't know why I put this guy on <laughs> I don't have any faith in him. Jamison Crowder.
3: None. Next.
2: Is he a free agent? He's got to be a free agent, right? He just finished his fourth season. I think he's a free agent. Yeah, I mean, we wouldn't have any faith in him on Washington. Would you have faith in Jameson Crowder on a different team?
3: The problem is, like, one of the reasons that I got excited about him this year was opportunity. And it's just such a tough situation to find where he would be in a good offense, have a good quarterback, and walk into a situation where he would have opportunity.
2: Yeah. All right, Jameson Crowder, he is a free agent, by the way. Do you still have faith in Hayden Hurst, Baltimore's first-round draft pick last year, along with Lamar Jackson? Tight end, he had a uh, stress fracture in the preseason. He required surgery and didn't do much in his rookie year. Hayden Hurst, by the way, they had four tight ends last year, got you know decent amount of work, two of them. Nick Boyle and Max Williams are free agents. Don't see why they'd need to bring them back. What do
3: you think about Hurst? I don't know that faith is the right word, but hope. I I still have hope that he could uh, maybe have a healthy offseason and get some work in with Lamar Jackson, and he and Mark Andrews could form a uh, formidable duo, maybe a poor man's Eric Ebron and Jack Doyle.
2: Can you look up? I I don't know how to look this up. I don't know if, if there's a way, but you're good at this. Can you look up like team production by tight ends? You know, like where do the Ravens rank? Cause there, those four tight ends combined for 85 catches, 1,071 yards, and five touchdowns, which isn't bad. Uh, no way that one guy's gonna get all of that, obviously.
3: Uh, I don't know. Is that, I, so- I will have that information, okay. but I, I don't, that's not something that I can just find, um, regularly. Okay. Or easily. That's magic of Heath Cummings. And finally, do you have faith
2: in Matthew Stafford?
3: Not really. I don't. I don't think that they really want to be a team that uh, throws the ball all that much. And if they do get in that situation, then maybe he could be a high-volume quarterback too. The problem is, I, when I was doing my rankings yesterday, there there were 21 quarterbacks, not counting Matthew Stafford. that I don't think I'd feel all that bad about starting. Here's what against. I—
2: yeah oh good he's oh. not one of them yeah and here's what I found interesting about Stafford and I think you can you can certainly make excuses for him he was obviously playing hurt they traded Golden Tate and his numbers tanked after that trade he had in nine games without Golden Tate one game with with uh 20 or more fantasy points in six point per passing touchdown leagues and it was week 17 he scored 22 points first seven games with Tate he actually scored 19 or more fantasy points in six of seven games. Um, usually in the 19 to 21 range. And yet, in that stretch, he was the number 16 quarterback that just didn't cut it anymore. But he was a guy who three straight years had been a top nine quarterback uh, going into 2018.
3: Like I know that people in Detroit are probably not sad to see Jim Bob Cooter go, but when he actually took over the job a couple of years ago, he wanted to play fast, and he kind of lost that battle this year. So I I don't expect that they're going to be a high volume offense either. I am not I'm I'm not I, in my first rankings. I actually had Eli Manning ahead of Matthew Stafford. <laughs>
2: That's funny because I was going to put you still have faith in Eli Manning in there, but I was more going to do it just to see your reaction. Um, yeah, I, I think Eli Manning and Stafford are both going to be streamable at points next year. I just I don't think you have to draft them in a, a one quarterback league. Uh, all right. Let's so uh, before Jamie comes on. What is your favorite Super Bowl party appetizer? Here are some of the answers, Heath. Let's see how you feel about them. Okay, great. Beer.
3: Fantastic. Number one.
2: Butterfingers.
3: 0%.
2: Yeah, just, candy bars don't really work. Hot wings. Yeah, buffalo chicken dip. Yeah.
3: O- outstanding.
2: Buffalo cauliflower. That's interesting. Um, got a lot of wings and a lot of buffalo chicken dip. I, I always thought of wings as the main course, but okay.
3: Well, I always thought of beer as the main course. (laughs) Uh,
2: Let's see. Velveeta with a little chili and Doritos.
3: Sounds very good. Yeah, that does sound
2: good. Italian hoagie dip or buffalo chicken egg rolls. I don't know what Italian hoagie dip is.
3: Italian hoagie dip.
2: Yeah, I don't know what that means.
3: I wonder how that's different from like a French dip.
2: Lobster rolls. I don't know about seafood. I don't know about
3: seafood. Oh, I would definitely eat some shrimp.
2: You would, yeah. Buffalo shrimp, uh, jalapeno poppers, excellent. IPA. What is an IPA?
3: It's a India Pale Ale. It's a it's a style of beer.
2: Yeah, I know it's a beer. I just um, seven layer dip. Yeah, there's got to be a dip. There's got seven be layer a dip.
3: dip is phenomenal.
2: Yeah, really good.
3: Nobody said guacamole.
2: Not yet. Pumpernickel bread with spinach dip. I like that. That's terrific. Mm. Uh, you know what? I'm gonna make sure my wife makes a spinach dip. She makes really good. Uh, uh, spinach dip. Seven layer dip. Seven layer dip. We got a lot of votes for, for seven layer dip. <laughs> this, this one has to be a joke. Plain rice cakes. Yeah, I'd say so. Uh, shrimp. Pickles. That's disgusting. That's for me.
3: Pickles are very good.
2: Yeah, no. And, uh, I think that's pretty much it. Ice cream. No. I disagree with that one, Carla. Sorry. All right. So enjoy your Super Bowl. I'm hosting it this year, which is a lot of pressure. I think I'm gonna order wings and a pizza.
3: Why don't you grill something?
2: I don't have a grill i don't ha- I don't really I have a little townhouse, so I don't have room for a grill. Heath, and you'd have to go outside and it's gonna it's actually not gonna be that bad this weekend, but today it's zero degrees. All right, let's get Jamie Eisenberg on, see what he's uh, learned in Atlanta this week and do a little Super Bowl DFS with Jamie. Welcome Jamie Eisenberg. How's Atlanta?
0: Atlanta has been awesome. Uh, the weather is not as bad as uh, some other places, and certainly not as bad as it was in Minnesota. So I am, uh, I'm a happy camper.
2: Is there good food in Atlanta? What, what have you found this week?
0: So we had a lovely company dinner last night at a Mexican restaurant, and it was fantastic. Um, the food at the uh, Media Center has been uh, has been above par, and the food at the CNN Center across the street from the Media Center has been uh, has been good. So it's oh. uh it's it's been good.
2: All right. Excellent. All right. We're talking a lot about food today. Uh, Heath, why don't we talk a little fantasy here? Uh, Jamie, you spoke to Melvin Gordon. He was on the set on CBS Sports HQ. Uh, what did Melvin Gordon have to say to CBS Sports yesterday?
0: Oh, man, it was awesome. I told him, I said, look into the camera and tell all your fantasy football fans what to expect from you in 2019. And he just went off. He said, I heard last year I was a late first, early second round pick. Make me an early first round pick this year. I'm going to get you guys points. I'm going to be successful for you. He basically gave a guarantee for a great season. So, uh, I recommend checking out the video. I tweeted it out. Uh, it's on our CBS Sports HQ platforms. Um, and I'm going to do this with a lot of the guys today. Uh, we have, uh, this is Thursday. We're recording this, obviously. I'm sure you said that. Um, we have um, Stefan Diggs, Russell Wilson, Philip Lindsay, Juju Smith Schuster, uh, George Kittle. Uh, a whole host of uh, fantasy um, favorites coming through our set today, and uh, I'm going to try and see if they'll all say that. You know, look into the camera and basically guarantee a great season. All right, Heat, so Melvin Gordon wants
2: to be an early pick. Uh, If you just look at his numbers, weeks 1 through 12, and he he missed one of those games, he was the number 4 running back in non-PPR, number 5 in PPR, but it was really close. I believe if he had played the game that he missed, He probably would have been the number two running back in fantasy. Where did you – you said you've been working on your rankings. Where do you have Melvin Gordon?
3: Yeah, I've got him right in that range. I've got him number five in non-PPR, number six in PPR. I think the only thing that will be interesting in PPR if Hunter Henry is back is do we see the Chargers take some of the targets that they threw to running backs last year and go back to tight ends like they had over the last three to four years. But as long as Gordon stays healthy, he should be a top five or six pick.
0: So, Adam, I, yeah. I, I spoke to Gordon about a couple of things. You know, I asked him about his 2018 season. He said, you know, the injury really frustrated him. He talked about not just the the games that he missed from that Arizona injury. Uh, I believe it was week 13. Um, he also talked about, you know, when he missed the London game. And he said, you know, at that point he was actually leading the NFL in rushing. I have to go back and check to see if that's accurate. But he said that was an important goal for him. Um, he mentioned Hunter Henry coming back, you know, just what his role will be in helping the Chargers be better as a team. Uh, but he, you know, I, 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 I talked to him about that that play. You know, I know that was a big... Storyline for us was, you know, the, the Cardinals are leaving him in against the Cardinals. And I said to him, you know, was was that just a, a a big frustration for you staying on the field, knowing that you already had your numbers? The game was well in hand. And the, the thing he said was, he goes, if I go 60 on that, you remember the play? It was a, a reverse that yeah. he, he, uh, uh, he he took the carry, and got hit in the backfield. He goes, if I go 60 on that, everybody loves me and everybody loves the situation. And he goes, I could have taken myself out. I could have, you know, come off the field at any point. Um, he wasn't mad at anything, but I, I I do think you look at what his – uh, his, his, he's a very motivated guy. Um, if you recall, I spoke to him last year at the Super Bowl. He said he wanted to chase down Todd Gurley, right. who was you know at the time the MVP candidate um, and, and finished as the best running back in football. And I, I think he looks at those personal goals uh, as much as anybody in the league. And he wants to have a great 2019 season. Jamie, what did Jay Ajayi have to say? So first off, I, I highly recommend uh, checking out um, – I think Will Brinson is tweeting out all of the, uh, the things he's doing with our social team. But you can probably find them on the Pick 6 uh, Twitter account, um, some of the other social accounts that we have through CBS. We are playing an amazing game with all the athletes that come through. It's guess the meme or use the meme to guess the, uh, your expression. So we have all like these famous NFL memes of uh, the last couple of years, you know, player expressions. Uh, like Adam Gase's eyes, for example, <laughs> uh, are one of them. And so like uh, we're asking like these random, you know, off the field questions and using memes to describe them. So uh, uh, Ajay came through and, and, and did one of those with Will. Um, in any event, uh, after he was done, I talked to him, you know, just asked him how he's, he's doing with his knee. And he said, you know, he feels good. He's still at the rehab stage of, of things. But he did say he expects to be ready for the start of the season. He's obviously a free agent. So going through that process is still going to be, you know, where we you know have to determine how he'll play. Uh, or, 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 you know, what outlook will be for 2019. But I think the fact that he's trending in the right direction, he looked to be in good shape. So hopefully he'll be ready by the start of a free agency and signs with a team that can use him in the right capacity.
2: So, Heath, uh, J.H.I. was going to be in the Do You Still Believe In segment. So let's put him there now. Do you still believe in J.H.I.?
3: I believe in J.H.I. if he lands in the right spot. I think he's still, like, that we knew that there were going to be injury concerns when he came into the NFL, and you'll have those concerns going into 2019, but if he lands in a place where he's going to get 200 220 plus carries, I've got him ranked number 34 at running back right now and he could climb from there or he could fall a little bit just it's all going to depend on landing spot.
2: All right Jamie, one other uh well not not one other, but one other player to talk about here I guess we'll say is a guy who uh is has not been heard from in a, in a while here, James Devlin, but he certainly made an impact in a in an awful way uh in the middle of the season or kind of late in the season, he had four touchdowns in three games. Late in the year in November and early December. Uh, what did James Devlin have to say, Jamie?
0: Yeah, so I caught up with him at uh, opening night and um, I, I said to him, I don't know if you realize this, but you're not very popular among the fantasy football crowd uh, as much as you do a great job opening holes for Sony Michelle and, and helping James White and those guys. But when you steal those touchdowns, you kind of make people a little bit angry. And he said, I'm sorry, (laughs) you know, he was very apologetic uh, and he seemed to be sincere about it. But at the same time, he's like, you know, I kind of like scoring touchdowns myself. Uh, So it was kind of cool, you know, just to see somebody who is, you know, we would call a vulture or, or, you know, somebody who, uh, you know, we tend to to use some expletive towards every now and then when they uh, when they do that to us from from what we talk about here in fantasy. But just a really great guy and uh, understands, I I think, just uh, some of the the periphery of things that go on with, with the NFL and with fantasy. Um, obviously you don't really get a lot of that from the Patriots, uh, you know, in terms of them, you know, acknowledging things like that, but it was kind of cool. There's a video that we posted on CBS sports. Uh, you can check out where, where I talked to him and, and if you want to see the clip, uh, I'll, I'll tweet it out later, but it was, uh, it was fun to see him, you know, sort of acknowledge that fact that, uh, that, um, you know, fantasy is something that kind of crept into the, the realm of what he was doing and and he acknowledged it.
2: Yeah. And I mean, he obviously is very much related to Sony Michelle and Michelle's production. And Michelle, the last five games of the regular season scored one touchdown, and in the postseason he scored five in two games and Jamie, you think you said you, you spoke to a Patriots writer, and the the word is or the thought is they're going to try to pound the ball, kind of keep doing what they've been doing
0: yeah uh, i I think you just kind of look at what um the setup has been for um for the Patriots these last two games and kind of the way to attack Aaron Donald and Adam is to run at them. Um, you know, they're not going to allow those guys to sort of impact the game in the way that you would expect. You know, they want to take Donald out of the game specifically. Michelle clearly has been the catalyst of this offense the last few weeks. Um, it's the first time, I believe, um, that a player has had five touchdowns since Terrell Davis in the playoffs. Um, uh, so he's he's an you know, elite-level company. And you just look at what, uh, what the Patriots' M.O. has been. You know, they're, they don't have the weapons. You know, Heath has talked about this a lot when we've sort of broken down the playoffs. And they don't have these outside guys. You know, it's Philip Dorsett, Chris Hogan. They're not exactly elite-level guys at this point. Um, it's inside-out, like we talked about for many, many years. But uh, the run game is going to be impactful. I think James White's going to make a, a lot of plays out of the backfield. But Sonny Michel is going to get the chance to probably go for 100 and a touchdown if things work out well for him.
2: All right, so Heath, let's talk a little DFS here. And uh, we'll, do, we'll probably do a little bit more of this after we speak to Will. But um, I I think it's tricky. You know, Uh, first, when you have one game (laughs) and you're picking five or six spots, I guess, uh, depending on which site you're playing on. What is your general take on these types of, you know, one game fantasy challenges?
3: You've got to be creative. Like, there's not any reason to worry about floor. I don't think in this situation, I'm not playing a lot of cash games for the Super Bowl. I'm, I'm looking at tournaments and you're trying to go big. So there, there's two things that you've got to figure out. One, you've got to find who is the cheap guy or who are the two cheap guys that I want to have in my lineup and hope they score a touchdown. And the second thing is you've got to choose probably two of those studs and who you're willing to fade.
2: Yeah, so who are the cheap guys? I, I've been looking a lot at Josh Reynolds and Philip Dorsett.
0: Um, don't, I don't forget Chris Hogan.
3: That, that's exactly what I was going to say. I think a lot of people are going to look at Philip Dorsett, and rightly so. He's been better than Chris Hogan, but I— Hogan on FanDuel is $1,000 cheaper than Dorsett. I don't know it's that much more likely that Dorsett's better, and I expect Dorsett's ownership to be quite a bit higher. So I'm going to play Hogan over Dorsett.
0: Yeah. Okay. There, there's, there's a lot of talk coming out of here about where Aqib Talib will line up and will they put him on Gronk when he's split out wide. If that's the case, then you're talking about them really being spread thin and who's going to cover... Probably Roby Coleman is going to spend time on Edelman because he's done a good job covering slot receivers. And then where is Marcus Peters? Is Peters chasing Dorsett? Is Peters moving? Is he going to stay on one side? Is, is Hogan going to be the one that's kind of left the single coverage? You know that Dorsett and Hogan are going to get a lot of single coverage. So uh, Brady showed you in the overtime, I believe it was two big throws to Hogan. Um, he's going to look that way. And remember, last year, Brandon Cooks got knocked out in the first quarter of the Super Bowl. Chris Hogan went for over 100 yards against the Eagles. So he's a big-time player in big-time moments, at least what we've seen from the Patriots in their last two postseason runs.
2: All right, so, Jamie, you got to get out of here because you're about to talk to Travis Kelsey. So why don't you give us some uh, whatever you want in terms of DFS. Uh, you can give lineups. You can talk about who you like, who you don't like. Go ahead.
0: I, I think, you know, for, for DraftKings purposes, I love Julian Edelman in this game, but he's the most expensive player. It makes it real tough to, to justify using him in the captain's seat. Um, if you want to use them as a flex, it's a little bit different, but you know, when you price out the captain spot, if if you go with him, like kind of Heath was saying, you know, you have to decide which studs you want to use and how you sort of mix and match with the cheap guys. Um, it 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 should be interesting to see how Jared Goff performs in this game. I would avoid Todd Gurley uh, simply because just we don't know how healthy he is and what his status is. But um, my my favorite play is James White on Fanduel because I think you look at he, that's not as, exactly his format. And Sony Michelle on DraftKings is almost going counterintuitive to where they're best used because DraftKings full PPR, uh, Fanduel half PPR. But I I think you know those two running backs are going to be so impactful that I want to have as many shares of those guys as possible.
2: All right, so I just got to say like. I'm I'm using Todd Gurley as my, you know, MVP in two of my five lineups. Because you know, because you got to get creative and because I feel like a lot of people are are rightfully going to take Jamie's approach. We don't know how healthy he is. I'm just crossing my fingers and my whole philosophy on the game is like Gurley's going to be good and healthy and the Rams are going to win. So, I'm kind of going that way, but I guess I guess it's intentionally contrarian. I suppose.
0: Everybody Everybody seems to be of the thought. And, and, and I totally agree with you. If you want to be contrarian, he's the best play you could find. Because the thought coming out of Atlanta is the one thing the Patriots and Belichick, which we know he tries to do, is take something away. And he's going to try and take away the run game. If you go back to the first time they played the Rams, it's obviously a different offense. But uh, they took out Marshall Falk. They did everything they possibly could. And they tried to make them one-dimensional. They're going to try to make them one-dimensional again. And you know what the Rams do. It's a lot of two-man routes. It's just those... Uh, the plays that are going to have to come from Jared Goff are going to be Higby, Everett, and obviously Josh Reynolds. And if those three guys have big Super Bowls, if they're able to contain Cooks and, and limit Woods, then the Rams are going to win. But this is going to be a Todd Gurley game one way or the other. And if he doesn't play well, um, probably the Rams are going to lose this game.
2: Yeah, that's exactly how I feel. Um, get more our thoughts from Heath and Will Brinson in a moment. Jamie, thank you very much. And how can we watch you on HQ?
0: Uh, check us out CBS Sports HQ. We are doing stuff all day long, uh, starting 7 in the morning until basically uh, uh, 6.59 the next day. Uh, but uh, it's, it's a lot of stuff going on 24 hours. But for anybody that's in Atlanta, uh, we have the CBS Sports HQ experience going on. It's at the Super Bowl experience at the World Congress Center. It's where the, 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 the fan is. Uh, we'll be there Saturday from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. All of the CBS Sports HQ analysts that are in Atlanta will be there. Uh, you can meet guys like Danny Cannell, Raja Bell. Uh, we'll have you know various guests you know, from the NFL as well. Uh, and for anybody that wants to come out from our fantasy audience, uh, come say hi. I'll be there all day. We have prizes, games, all those things. It's going to be really, really cool. Uh, a lot of giveaways, so come check it out.
2: Jamie, thanks, man. Enjoy the game. My pleasure. Take care, guys. All right. Jamie reporting from Atlanta, and we are going to talk to Will Brinson shortly. We're also going to do a little bit more DFS talk right now, but first... Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. So, uh, yeah, like I said, Heath, I do feel, uh, like it's tricky this week, you know, because I can make a case for it against so many guys. One guy I have zero of is Brandon Cooks. Because Jamie said they're gonna, the Patriots are good at taking away your best option. He said the running game. What I've noticed is they're really good at taking away number one receivers. Uh, I remember when we were talking about Robbie Anderson waiver wire for week 17 and it was like gosh the Patriots have been great at taking away the top uh pass catching option. Look at Tyreek Hill last week. Keenan Allen got his but you know it was I think he had two catches. Uh so that's one guy even though it's a revenge game and he had two good games against the Saints. I have no Brandon Cooks. How about you?
3: Um I have built one FanDuel lineup so far. Brandon Cooks is my MVP. (laughs) So that there goes that. Now, the thing I think that's really interesting with the Rams, because I agree with everything you both said about the Patriots and taking away the Rams' best option, Robert Woods is the security blanket in this offense. Brandon Cooks is the big play specialist, but Woods gets more targets. Woods is the guy Goff goes to when he's in trouble. Can they shut down both Cooks and Woods? I've actually gotten my first lineup, Golf, Cooks, and Woods, all three. I don't want any part of the Rams running game.
2: You don't want any part of the Rams running game? Is that
3: what you said? Yes.
2: But what do you think about my philosophy of, like, if you're going to, like, go, do you think that Todd Gurley is a contrarian play?
3: I, like, Yes. I would expect that he's going to be lower owned than Sony Michelle, and I wouldn't be surprised if he's lower owned than CJ Anderson. And James White's Super Bowl lore is probably going he may be the fourth highest owned running back in this game. That would make him contrarian.
2: Yeah, like James White is interesting because he has he caught six touchdowns in his first seven games of the season. He has won since, including the playoffs. Like he's real he really hasn't been that good, except two games ago, fifteen catches for ninety seven yards against the Chargers. So you never know, and yeah, his last two Super Bowls, he had uh, let's see, 139, 139 total yards and three touchdowns against the Falcons, and he had seven carries, 45 yards and a touchdown, and two catches for 21 yards against the Eagles. Uh, I think I think it's all kind of tricky because I've used that word so many times. But Sony Michelle, like last five games of the regular season, he had 63 fewer yards and no touchdowns in four or five games. And then in the postseason, all of a sudden the Patriots are running the ball a ton. He's got twenty-four and twenty-nine carries. He's got five touchdowns. Um, we know the Rams are a bad on a per carry basis.
3: <sighs> well, and I, uh, yeah. like I I think I saw on Twitter, and I'll try to find it, but even in that game against the Chiefs when Sony Michelle was just absolutely awesome. I think the last eight carries of that game or the last eight snaps of that game. Burkhead. Rex Burkhead.
2: And he scored the touchdown to win the game, right?
3: So that that definitely does give you – like there's not an easy answer. This is not a game where we can just give people like this is what's going to happen. These are the guys you should play this week. Yeah. Because there's yeah, yeah. one game, and they're in the Super Bowl. It's the best – two best teams – well, two of the best teams in football.
2: Uh, yeah, and, and listen, <laughs> Tom Brady – and Jared Goff are not playing well for fantasy purposes you know for a long stretch Brady 3 games in his last 11 with more than 19 fantasy points and 6 point per passing touchdown leagues in uh 8 of those 11 games he has had zero or one t- passing touchdown uh Goff has been you know pretty brutal for fantasy uh, and it looks like the Patriots' defense getting better against both quarterbacks and running backs, but only one game with more than 18 fantasy points in his last seven games, and it was Week 17 against the 49ers. He threw four touchdowns.
3: Yeah, I'll be curious what the percentage of lineups out there are because generally not playing a quarterback from either team is kind of a dicey proposition, especially when you're talking about Jared Goff and Tom Brady. Yeah, So I would expect most lineups are going to have a quarterback. I initially plan on playing Goff, But I don't think it's necessarily a terrible idea. I mean, you could go with something like Brandon Cooks, Sony Michelle, Todd Gurley, Julian Edelman, and Chris Hogan.
2: But then there's this. My my last note on Tom Brady, his last three Super Bowls, he's been unbelievable. You know, he threw for like 500 yards last year. And I'll just get you the the stats in terms of fantasy points. last three Super Bowls, 33 fantasy points against Seattle. 28 against Atlanta, but 466 yards, 62 pass attempts, 505 yards, three touchdowns, 38 fantasy points against the Eagles. Uh, so I'm not betting against Tom Brady. I have some lineups with both quarterbacks in there.
3: The the one thing I would say to people, and this is like a pretty obvious point, but it's just a good thing to reiterate: try to make your lineups make sense from a game theory perspective. Yeah, mm-hmm. like it doesn't make a lot of sense to play Tom Brady no Patriots pass catchers, and then Brandon Cooks and Robert Woods, but not Jared Goff, it right. doesn't make a lot of sense to play Todd Gurley, Brandon Cooks, and Robert Woods all together.
2: Why? Why is that?
3: Because if the Patriots shut down the run game, Todd Gurley is probably not going to be very good, unless he catches a bunch of passes. If he gets a bunch of targets, then either Cooks or Woods is probably not going to be very good. I see.
2: Okay. Uh, what? Last thing, what do you think about
3: playing the kickers? I don't think it's necessarily a bad idea. I like Zerline better than Guskowski, but I think either of them are fine.
2: All right, let's uh, let's talk more about the game
3: with Will Brinson. All right, Will, welcome to the show. How you doing,
2: man?
1: I'm doing great. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me on Fantasy Football today. My favorite fantasy podcast. Uh, my f- second favorite podcast in the entire world, behind the Pick Six podcast. And he, I will make sure for all your hard and diligent work coming on the podcast with me this year that. They bring you back uh, a golf shirt or a pullover from the Super Bowl because they made me swag. They made Pig Six podcast swag. What are they thinking? Who fooled them? I don't know why.
3: That is fantastic. And I really appreciate the sentiment. But you know, my first question was Have you found any good craft beer in Atlanta?
1: Uh, yes. I have found uh, multiple IPAs, a Ted's IPA, uh, which is from Ted's Buffalo Bison Bar. It's like basically uh, a restaurant that serves only bison steaks, and, and they have a bison meatloaf sandwich. Uh, but they had a very nice IPA there. There's also a uh, Creature Comforts brewery that you might have had uh, down in Florida. Uh, our hotel, the restaurant, the uh, the bar at the bottom, the Moxie, which has been frequented by multiple members of our traveling CBS party, and clearly me later last night because of my voice, um, they serve a delightful Creature Comforts IPA down there.
2: Uh, I am all about bison meat, by the way, for PSA, much healthier than beef. And not as good, but not bad. So anyway, Will, um, it's, <laughs> it's a not, meat
1: take, isn't
2: it? <laughs> it's not as good. I mean, that's it's just, you're just going to want a beef burger after, but if you could, if you could deal with that, like, yeah, you should get it. Um, Will big time me, like, hardcore yesterday. He was like, Oh, sorry. We're in the middle of a text conversation and we're trying to plan the show, but I have to go play Madden against Melvin Gordon. So
1: how did that yeah. go? Um, Melvin Gordon beat me. Um, this is actually nine years to the day that I lost to Antonio Gates in Madden at the Super Bowl. And I was playing um Gordon. He was the uh he was the Chargers, of course. I was the Chiefs. He had he tried to throw a wheel route, a 75-yard wheel route touchdown to himself that was incomplete. Um <laughs> I ended up uh throwing a pick six, brand, hashtag brand, uh <laughs> to end the game that he that he that he intercepted and took all the way to the house. I bl- actually blame, as many fantasy owners probably do, I blame Sammy Watkins for everything because Sammy Watkins, I had him running out of the slot on a, on a nine route and had him wide open. Streaking down the field to tie the game, I was going to go. Actually, Melvin had missed the extra point, so I was going to win the game if I kicked the extra point. And Sammy Alligator armed the throw from oh. and missed it, and, and then the next player was a pick six.
2: Oh boy, well, Will by the way is doing great work on the Pick Six podcast. This is a great week to be listening to the Pick Six podcast. He's had awesome stuff.
1: Uh, and Adam, if I if I may additionally plug, twelve to noon this uh, uh, every day at the, at the Radio Road, Monday through Friday, we're doing a live Pick Six rundown. On CBS Sports HQ, as I, I'm not kidding, we are going to have Russell Wilson throw tiny footballs at Pete Frisco on Thursday.
2: <laughs> okay, we're we're certainly looking forward to that. And all right, break down the game. You pick the Patriots. Your article's up. Your gut says you like you kind of wanted to take the Rams, but you're going with the Patriots. So I'll, I'll let Heath react after you break down the game. Let's let's talk football here. Go for
1: it. Yeah, I mean, my thing is, I wish that the I wish that this was not. I wish that this was more like the Seahawks Super Bowl where everybody sort of split and there were people t- like hyped up about the Rams and the public was kind of backing the Rams and everybody wasn't on the Patriots. That's kind of my biggest concern because I think whenever you have a situation that everybody likes one team and everybody's just blindly taking Belichick and Brady like they were last year, that can backfire pretty well. But I do think that the Patriots uh, present matchup problems for the Rams in terms of their offensive personnel. And how they're going to play the the, you know, the Rams will deal with it defensively. I think their offensive line will be able to. Excuse me, I haven't met my mouth. Will be able to protect Brady, and will be able to like keep Indama and Sue and Aaron Donald at bay. And if they can do that and actually run the ball effectively, then I'm not sure that the Rams are going to be in a favorable position to keep up with them. And I and I think as good as Sean McVay is, as good as Wade Phillips is, you know when you give Bill Belichick two weeks to prepare, it's going to really create some issues for the for the way they operate.
2: I. I... I'm sorry, Heath, to jump in, but I, I talked about this with Dave on, on Monday's show. Like, you give Bill Belichick a week to, pre- two weeks to prepare, but, like I said, in the, in the Brady Belichick era, all the eight Super Bowls they've been in, it's never been a big advantage, except maybe the first one when they possibly were cheating against the Rams, but every game has been like, really, really close. They've been upset a few times. So, I don't know, that just, that just doesn't do it for me anymore. I, I,
1: I, I don't know. I don't know. That sounds, that sounds like, it's like one of those like, I mean, I don't see why you can't take Saquon number two. It's like out of the Giants homer, like handbook. Like, like this is like, you like, like flip to page three why? and talk about Belichick with two weeks to prepare. Like he, he loses all the time. No, I, the I'm
2: serious. Like, it, 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 look, he lost last year to Nick Foles. And a coach that didn't that had barely any experience, just like Sean McVay, but is obviously a, a very good offensive-minded coach. Every single Super Bowl they've been in, I gave this stat earlier, has been decided uh, in the Belichick Brady era has been decided by eight or fewer points. Eight, eight points or less. Right, and and six of the eight have been four or fewer points. So I just don't know why we're giving Belichick all this credit as like this. You know, he gets two weeks to prepare. It ju- it just hasn't made a difference. That's all I'm saying. He's the best coach yeah. ever, but it hasn't made a difference.
1: Can I give a counter really quick? Yeah, and I'm uh, sorry. i got to get Heath
2: in there, too. I apologize, Heath. But go go ahead, Will. But
1: I I think when you talk about the Belichick thing, you got to remember that these Patriots teams a lot of times, and I think this is the case this year, this is not the best Patriots team. Like The reason they're here is because of Belichick. And if you give him two weeks to prepare, he's going to figure out things that the Rams are going to want to do from their personnel and their scheming stuff to prepare his defense for it. Now, look, that doesn't mean he's going to freaking – like he's not guaranteed to win. I mean, it's, it's football. It's hard to win. It's hard to play these games, and, and certainly there could be an upset, but I think that Belichick is a decided advantage.
3: All right, Heath, um, go ahead. I, I would agree that the reason they're here is Belichick. Well, Belichick and Bob Sutton. But I, and I think that's the interesting part is Wade Phillips has had two weeks, and he saw what the Patriots did to the Chiefs offensively, and I just I really, really hope, and I, I think the Rams are going to win this game. I hope the Rams are going to win this game. I hope that they come out and just make Brady beat you by throwing the ball down the field. Take, take yeah. away the short passes. Take away the running game. Make them beat you by going over the top. And let's see if Chris Hogan and Philip Dorsett can win downfield.
2: So the big question for me, and I think for everyone, that I probably hasn't been talked about enough, in my opinion, but maybe it has in Atlanta. What is uh, Todd Gurley's status?
1: I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think we, uh, I don't think we know. I mean, they keep saying he's fine and he's healthy, but it's like, okay, what, Okay, something is wrong with him. He's either healthy, he's either not healthy, and the Rams keep denying that, and they won't put him on the injury report, um, or he's uh, he's mentally weak. And I have a hard time believing that that's the case. That it's just like like I'm, Todd Gurley just can't handle the the scene. Todd Gurley can't handle the the stress in the NFC Championship game. Todd Gurley's not in shape. Like like would Todd Gurley just fall out of shape in two weeks? That's not how. Human bodies work. And so, in my opinion, it has to be an injury. There's no other excuse for it. Either they're just resting him and trying to get him ready. Um, and, and the Rams are just doing a weird job of explaining it to everybody else. I just, I just don't understand how there could be any other excuse for why Todd Gurley hasn't been playing, why Todd Gurley hasn't been featured, and, and why, you know, the Rams are treating him the way that they treated him. So, you, uh,
2: you got a balance, Will?
1: Uh, yes. They're, they're you know, So George Kittle is, Coming off of the CBS Sports HQ set onto the Pick Six podcast slash uh, Canal and Bell off the bench set slash Writer the new set, and uh, where we have like comfy chairs, it's like casual and cool. We roll up our sleeves, you know, we hang out and just play like meme. We we're playing a meme game. Um, I don't know if you guys saw my tweet with Jay Ajayi from last night. No, Janie was talking it's- about it though. Yeah, so like we have a um, like all these memes, and Jay walks over and goes, oh, I know which one I'm going to use every time. He holds up the Adam Gase meme, yeah. and and he's like, he's like, somebody take a picture of me with this on here. And he's like, I might use this every single time, uh, basically admitting publicly that he greatly dislikes uh, Adam Gase. Oh, boy. All right, that's, that's pretty good. So let
2: me just recap here. Uh, in the last uh, t- less than 24 hours, Will has stopped talking to me so he can play Melvin Gordon and Madden. He has yes. gotten the time of our interview wrong and forced us to shuffle the show around. And then Correct. he has told me that he did not have an end time today. He can go until noon, but at 11:04 a.m. Eastern, he is telling me he has to go to uh, talk to George
1: Kittle. You know, Adam, uh, there's a saying that, that the talent uses. I don't know if you ever heard it. It's there's no saying. I was just trying to refer to myself as talent in an obnoxious way. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, like basically, I, I, I've been really surprised. Like, I got to tell you, listen again, ninth Super Bowl. And this is by far the, the least amount of like free time that we've had here because of all the HQ stuff that we're doing. Like Jamie and I were, Jamie Eisenberg and I were talking last night. He, and like Robin and I are staring at me like, what are you, what are you doing? Why are you screaming at your computer um, with these, with these earphones on? But um, you know, like Jamie, Jamie's been trying to transcribe seven minutes of Pro Bowl interviews for seven days now. And he just like, you can't find any time because somebody comes up and talks to you. Uh, you know, Pete Prisco is walking around, uh, making faces at you. He <laughs> just made a face of me now. Pete, Pete, um, Pete, by the way, got two shots in his bottom yesterday to fix his illness. What wrong with him? you want to make fun of when he gets back to Florida. Oh, no. He, what, uh, it's Yeah, okay. he, 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 he had a doctor shoot one shot in the left cheek and one shot in the right cheek. And then he came back and he was feeling better. And he won't reveal what sort of medicines they pumped into his <laughs> rear end. But uh, apparently they were pretty, pretty high octane. Okay, I'm being told. All right, get out of here, that, Will. Right now. Have Love for, you guys. Thank you. Guys. About it. Come
2: subscribe to the music podcast. Yeah, never wanted uh, to lack self-promotion. Will Brinson. Will Brinson. <laughs> See ya. You know what? I am fine just talking to my buddy, Heath Cummings, about this football game. So you also like the Rams, huh?
3: I do like the Rams. I think like Belichick is a huge advantage, but I think the Rams are the better team. I don't think the Patriots are the second best team. I think there's a little bit of a gap between these two, and I believe that Sean McVay and Wade Phillips can do enough to bridge the coaching gap that most teams don't have. That Belichick's advantage won't be big enough to make up for the talent difference.
2: I think the pass rush is always interesting. Uh, it's one of the best ways to beat the Patriots. Can you get pressure without blitzing? And I'm not confident that the Rams can. They were 15th in the NFL in sacks. The Patriots were 30th. But they, I, you know, Heath, I, I really thought that was kind of the difference in the game—just a, a few plays here or there. Brady didn't get sacked, but they got after Pat Mahomes enough. They had sacked him four times, and the, the, you know, both teams have great offensive lines. The Patriots were third in sacks allowed. The Rams were eighth in sacks allowed. If one of these teams can get to the quarterback, it's going to make a big difference. And even though the Patriots were thirtieth in sacks. My sense is that they have a better chance of getting to the quarterback than the Rams do, and that does scare me a little bit as somebody who who took the Rams to win.
3: Yeah, it, it will be interesting because the Patriots aren't really a team that gets after the quarterback. They've been very, very been-but-don't-break this season. Yeah. And I just don't really think that works against the Rams.
2: Yeah, I mean, that that's kind of what the Eagles showed last year. So... I'm not—I just—look, we keep saying this is not the best Patriots team, and uh I think the Rams are better. I just think they're a better team, but it, it is so dependent on Todd Gurley. Do you think they can win without Gurley being great? Because I do not.
3: I think they could win without Todd Gurley being in uniform. Yeah.
2: I don't, because I just don't think C.J. Anderson gives them the big plays. You know? Like, he could be fine, but I just don't see him making big, impactful plays.
3: It's going to be really interesting just to see how they use those two backs after what happened in their most recent game and whether Gurley gets, like, is their plan to give him 15 to 20 touches in this game?
2: I mean, look, if he's healthy, he should get 30 touches and C.J. Anderson should get two. Which, by the way, is what's going to happen next year. They're not going to, he's not going to be at a timeshare.
3: You know, let's go back to that discussion for just a second because there was one thing I didn't say when we were talking about Todd Gurley's workload. Uh, I want you to forget about fantasy football for a moment. Okay, I want you to be Sean McVay. Mm -hmm. And that's asking a lot. But you're Sean McVay. You have, and you obviously believe that Todd Gurley is the most talented running back in the NFL. Mm -hmm. And a huge part of your team's offense. And you are now going through the playoffs with him broken. Obviously not the same. Mm -hmm. After you've given him all these touches on a week-to-week basis in what are kind of close to meaningless regular season games because your team is so clearly ahead of the pack and going to be in the playoffs and get a first-round buy. When you head into to 2019, and it's week one, and you're four months away from your only goal, which is to get to the Super Bowl, why are you giving Todd Gurley 20 touches a game?
2: Uh, you want me to answer now? Yes. You You make a great point. However... Coaches don't think that way. They just don't. Because you could, you could take that argument and replace Todd Gurley with Ezekiel Elliott.
3: But they haven't had, they haven't had him break down.
2: But I don't know that he's breaking down. He had a knee injury and he hasn't been the same since. It's not like he's, you know, a, a 10 year veteran and he's, he's breaking down physically. He just has an injury.
3: So um, the Cowboys aren't going to the Super Bowl, but
2: they just, like, teams just don't do that. It maybe it makes sense, but teams don't. Well, more and more teams do that every year not with elite running backs. What elite running back is in a timeshare? I mean, like CJ Anderson was on the Panthers before he was on the uh before he was on the Rams, they didn't use the him at all. The Saints. The Saints. You're right. They are and they have been openly worried about Alvin Kamara's workload. And that's the only and, guy.
3: And I would say that the Chargers were the first half of the season. No,
2: Melvin Gordon got a ton of work. A ton. You want to give uh, ten touches per game to us to a number two running back on the Rams? Okay, maybe Todd Gurley will still be the number one player in fantasy.
3: If another running back on a team averages ten touches per game, I do not believe he will be.
2: Uh, what else do we want to say about this game here? Anything else? Anything else? Uh, yeah, the Brandon Cooks thing. So, yeah, I, I think they'll take him away. I think that's the that's the guy that they will say this is their number one receiver. We're taking him away.
3: I think that they're probably trying to take the running game away.
2: By what? Putting eight in the box? Like consistently? I don't know. I I don't think teams do that against the Rams. In fact, I think that was tweeted to me that they don't face a lot of eight-man fronts. I
3: think they're probably in trouble against the run if they don't.
2: Yeah, I mean, they are in trouble against the run if Todd Gurley's playing. But that's kind of the thing. Pick your poison against the Rams.
3: Okay. Yeah, yeah you, want, you want to make Jared Goff go win a Super Bowl against you.
2: By the way, Julian Edelman, since returning in week five, is the number, I have this here, uh, number eight wide receiver in non-PPR, number nine in PPR. He's just been awesome. He has 90 yards or a touchdown in six straight games. And he's he does feel kind of safe to me. I, I think it's likely, very likely, maybe him more than anyone. That he delivers, Julian Edelman.
3: I have a hard time seeing Julian Edelman having a bad game. I could very easily see him not having a lot of upside. I mean, he's got to score a touchdown. And he's done a much better job of that this year, but historically it hasn't really been something – he hasn't been used a lot in that area.
2: Yeah, I, I think it's because he's just better than Gronkowski at this point. So that's the last guy I want to talk about. Actually, let's talk about the tight ends in general for DFS purposes, for non-DFS purposes. Um Gronkowski. Six catches, 79 yards on 11 targets at Kansas City. That's not bad. Uh, But one catch for 25 yards the game before that. The Rams are just not that good against tight ends, and and that's kind of one thing that stood out, right? Like I I looked at, at each team against quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, tight ends. If there was one team against one position where I said, this team is bad against this position, It was the Rams against tight ends, particularly good tight ends. And the Patriots, for that matter, have been giving up a lot of touchdowns to tight ends lately, including three to the Chargers a couple of weeks ago.
3: Well, this is the thing I was talking about when Will was on about Wade Phillips. I think they've made some wise decisions about how they funnel opposing offenses under Phillips. And they, they can take away a lot of things. At times, they'll let you run the ball at... They don't really mind giving up stuff to tight ends. But when you look at this Patriots team and you see it's a slot receiver, it's a tight end, and it's a running back, is Phillips over two weeks going to adjust their defensive scheme to try to take those things away? Because I agree with you. On paper, it looks like a fantastic matchup for Gronk.
2: Yeah, I don't really have that much faith in him, though. He's just not that good right now. No, he, he's not. He, he made tough tra- catches in traffic. Uh Eric Berry was right on him but couldn't make the plays. I mean, he he could do that. He could score, of course. But I yeah. don't really have much faith in, in Gronkowski. And then uh what do you think about Higby? I th- I think he's a decent uh, DFS play.
3: I don't know why you would play Higby over Everett or Everett over Higby, but I think they're both fine DFS plays.
2: Yeah, I, I don't know. Because Everett gets more targets, he just doesn't do anything with them. <laughs> uh Higby's had four targets in two straight games. 30 yards, 25 yards, and a touchdown last week. Uh, and the Patriots are giving up a lot of... Touchdowns to, to tight ends.
3: Okay. I, I do think if the Patriots are going to ignore something, it's going to be the Rams tight ends.
2: Finally, on James White, because I just, I did all this work, I might as well give you the stats. Um, James White, as I mentioned, six touchdowns in his first seven games, only one since oh, receiving touchdowns, anyway. And the Rams, look, you know, don't necessarily be fooled by what Kamara did last week. Kamara had a huge game. He led the Saints in receiving, but the Rams give up the eighth fewest receiving yards to running backs this year. They've been, yeah, and I, and I think when you face really good PPR guys, really good pass catching running backs, those guys have, have often scored, but Kamara was sort of an outlier, outlier. He had the huge game and, and most guys haven't been able to do that. Um, and, but, then he has that Super Bowl history, which is why I had so much trouble with DFS-wise, because I, I found arguments for and against so many of these players. Uh, but Kamara's only one of three running backs with 48 or more receiving yards against the Rams. Kamara, Mike Davis, Kareem Hunt, David Johnson, Kyle Yuschek all scored, you know, receiving touchdowns. Um, so, it's a mixed bag. I don't, I don't think it's a great matchup for James White, but I think he's got Super Bowl history. He's, he caught 15 passes two weeks ago.
3: He's yeah, got. He's got DFS, a lot of He'd probably be my third favorite running back in this game, ahead of Gurley, but behind Michelle and CJ Anderson.
2: Yeah. So to me, it's like I'm picking the Rams, and that means I'm definitely not using CJ Anderson because I personally don't believe that Anderson can have a big role in this game and the Rams can win. It's Gurley or bust for me. You see it differently.
3: Yeah, I think if the Rams win and Todd Gurley is not himself, then that means Anderson had a good day. Right. I just don't think that happens. But...
2: All right, Heath. Let's go, rant. Well, no, I'm not going to say that. We have too many Patriots fans. Let's go football. Enjoy the game. I hope it's great. I think it will be. Looking forward to it. And I'm sure, I'm pretty sure we'll be back on Monday. We got to be back on Monday to break it all down. I want to thank Will and Jamie for coming on. And for Heath, of course. And I'm Adam Azer. Adios, everybody. Have fun. Watch the Super Bowl.